Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast for the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio here at Innovation Campus. Lots to look at. No surprise, we had a WASDE report that came out this morning. Question is, is the report even a matter as of this point? Have we moved on to something else? Which, believe it or not, we have. And we'll talk more about what that something else is, which should come as no surprise as Jeff Peterson joins us with Heartland Farm Partners. Uh, the WASDE report this morning, a lot of anticipation building up to it like we always see, but it's just like somebody blew the birthday candles out pretty quick. They really did, Susan. And, and this will be a report really as soon as the numbers came out. The market looks at them and it says any big surprises, and then it, it moves on. But there are a few things. I mean, you're going to hear this report talked about. Some are going to say, oh, it's negative because of wheat. And others are going to say, well, and, and which the feeling I have and we have as a company is that it's a little supportive. The reason we believe it's supportive is that even though the ending stocks for the 19 crop increased 5 million bushels on corn, soybeans, and wheat, okay, if we go back and look at where the expectations were, those all came in under expectation except for the wheat. And it was really on the world side where we ended up seeing a little bit of pressure come out there. Uh, but even even there, the world numbers for corn and soybeans look okay. They came in lower than what the May report was, and they actually came in lower than what the average trade guess was. So overall, those numbers, I would say, for corn and soybeans were supportive. But what about for this wheat market? I mean, they got hit kind of hard with these numbers. Yeah, they, they really did, and, and that's going to be an anchor and a weight around there. It's been really hard for us to get the demand that we needed, even though for the 19 crop our exports are going to look okay. There's a, we're awash in wheat as we go into that 20 crop, and, and, that, and that's really what the report was showing also. Any other surprises that you saw in the WASI? You know, as we dig into it, not, not really too much. I mean, we anticipated them lowering the ethanol, and they did. Uh, we kind of forgot in some cases that they'd make a reduction on the production side in North Dakota, uh, and they did that on the corn side and on the soybean side. I, I think that maybe USDA got a little ahead of themselves, maybe on the reducing the exports on soybeans for the U.S. They reduced that 25 million bushels. I, I don't know that that's the case yet. I think we still have a chance to actually hit our numbers, and that's one we'll look at. We were thinking there could be an increase in crush. That brought that up, 15 million bushels. We didn't know if they'd bring it in in this report or not. Um, I think down the road, though, Susan, you know, the ethanol side, we will need to see some further reduction on the ethanol ethanol demand from the corn side. That, that'll that have to happen down the road. But taking it down 50 here is probably okay at this time. So what does that mean for the corn producer? Well, for the corn producer right now, I think what he has to do is he has to sharpen his pencil. He has to think about what's going to trigger his next round of sales. And, Susan, even though I, I said this is a little bit supportive here in the short term is a key Longer term, unless we get some hotter, drier conditions from the weather side, uh, we're going to be seeing much lower prices down the road as we come into the harvest time frame. So we're going to have to be ready to make some sales in any little bounce we get here in the short term. Well, speaking of sales, there hasn't been much excitement lately when it comes to export demand, except for those little blips here and there coming from an unknown that turns into China. Yeah, exactly. But boy, today was really good. If we take a look at the soybean side on both old and new crop, we saw some good numbers come in. And that's the type of action that we've seen happening. And we've seen that show up, you know, kind of week after week. It's not been great. But as a result of that, that, that would, that's what gives us actually hope that actually we can hit USDA's um, soybean export numbers down the road. What about, and how does, how does China factor into all of this? Because they still got Brazil out there looking to supply them with some high-quality beans, of their high-quality beans. 
Yeah, exactly. China China's in the driver's seat here in regard to what they're going to take on, on the export side. I, I'm encouraged by, and, and I said on the export side, it's what they're going to bring in for imports. But I'm encouraged our, because of the break in the Brazilian real that we've seen. And, and as a result, you know, we've also seen a weakness in the U.S. dollar. And when I say a, a break in a Brazilian real, what that really means is that that Brazilian real strengthened versus U.S. dollar, which helped make our soybeans uh, more competitive. And we're starting to see that as we go forward here. We hadn't seen it here in the past, but we're starting to see that continue to increase. China China isn't going to be able to source all their beans that they're going to need from, from Brazil. So I, I think we'll see them in picking up some beans here as we go in through you know, this latter part of June, July, August, I think we've got a window in here where we should have some pretty good numbers on the bean side. And that'll make the phase one folks a little bit happier. It will. It's it's going to be really hard. I guess I would throw it out there right now, Susan. I think it's going to be extremely hard for us to hit the phase one numbers. But some of these type of steps in here, and the reason I, I believe that is because they would have to end up taking more soybeans than what they've ever taken and uh, from us. Uh, because of where the price is at. And, and as a result of that, uh, they've taken a lot of soybeans from Brazil, and, and they just don't have the demand, unless for some reason they really want to stock up here. But because of the African swine fever, you know, they just really don't have the demand or need for those, those, that many beans at this time. So when you look at corn and soybeans, are they on pace to achieve those trend line yields? You know, and that's what we keep asking ourselves. So how we go about assessing that is we go in and we look at, okay, so what was the planning progress or and it looks good. What are the conditions? Conditions look good enough. What are the emergence on the stuff that hasn't come up? That looks good enough. And so, yeah, I, I think they are on, on pace right now. If anything, I'd say they, we might have to le- lead and lean to the maybe above trend yield side. But it, but it's way too early to tell. And, and we'll continue to watch much more on these conditions numbers going forward, even though I know those aren't a great correlation yet correlation gets better as we go into summer it's some of the best things that we have to look at right now a lot of things guys are factoring out especially when they look at where their soybeans and their corn are at for maturity and growth at this point oh there's there's so much you know and 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 that's what we're going to continue to watch in here we we watch uh, when we take a look at the weekly crop progress numbers we really watch that short to very short number and and everything on the short to very short side so far susan actually would indicate to us that We've got a little bit of stress in areas, but, you know, overall it isn't terrible, and overall it wouldn't be yield impacting at this point. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about, including what the new focus is going to be now that we've got the WASDE report. And we'll also look at some technical perspectives and what we're going to see with the market for the corn and the beans. A lot more is coming up. It is a Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Final Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson continues to join us in studio. So before we talk about some adjustments to these acres, I want to know, is or are we finally going to be able to talk more about weather and the influence it's going to have on this trade? You know, I think that's exactly where we're at, Susan. The, the minute the report came out, the minute everybody from the trading side looked at it, I would say their mind was, okay, now how does the weather look? And so that's exactly what we're going to be trading and if you take a look at the weather forecast, there's there's a little bit of something for everybody. I really feel for anybody in southwest Kansas and over in the Colorado, those areas are really getting hit hard. But the thing we have to watch is that that is actually drifting a little bit to the, the east and northeast, so we're seeing some drier conditions showing up. And honestly, if you dig in and look at some of the numbers, 
what we actually end up seeing is that there's some pockets in northeast Nebraska that have some dryness. There's a pocket east of Council Bluffs, Iowa. But if you actually look in the last 14-day rainfall, you get right on the other side of really, uh, I would say, into Illinois. And there's parts of Illinois and, and Indiana and Ohio that have had some dry pockets in there. And, and over the next, uh, you know, seven to ten days, we're going to see some warmer than normal temperatures, some drier than normal temperatures. And I think everybody's in agreement there. But where some of the disagreement comes into play is really as we look at about that eight to 14-day forecast. And, and what you find very quickly is you find those individuals who focus a lot on the GFS model, really the, the U.S. model, so to speak, and, and what we, we have here in the U.S. is our strength. And then you look at those that look at the European model. And the GFS model factors are very heavily into that 8- to 14-day forecast, and the European really doesn't. And so there's a little discrepancy there. The GFS is calling for maybe a little bit of wetter conditions. Um, European is calling for some little drier conditions. Now, I hope we do get some moisture out of that because what happens is we have the warmer conditions in the 7 to 10. We then hope get a little bit of rainfall, and then after that, we're back to where we physically could have some drier conditions again. So I, I think weather could play a role in here yet, Susan. Do you see any adjustments coming when it comes to corn and soybean acres as we look beyond this week and into the future? You know, I do. And the, the next opportunity we'll have is we know that uh, quarterly stocks will come out, the planted acreage will come out on June 30th. You know, so they're in the process of actually going through and, and surveying all that right now. And, and the, the first time we'll have a chance to actually see those work in the balance sheets will be the July WASD report. And, and we do think we'll see some adjustments. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine up in North Dakota, and, and he's in a Jamestown area, and he was talking about, I was asking him how things are going, what's the prevent plant look like, and he runs an agronomy and seed business. He says, well, we're going to be 80% prevent plant on corn, 50% prevent plant on beans. And he just happens to be in a pocket that's extremely wet. And he says he's been in that area since 03. He says a lot of people in that area will talk about 2011 and how bad it was, and he says for them it's much worse. Now, having said all that, in our numbers that we have factored in, we're looking for a prevent plan of about 4 million acres. And actually, the average is about 3.8 million acres. So unfortunately, I think we're probably still okay on our numbers. But North Dakota is just going to kind of take the blunt of it this year. I said, we always seem to have, I mean, if listeners could have seen the look on my face when you rattled off those numbers, but I mean, we always seem to have somebody who doesn't get the plant and the markets kind of factor in who that somebody will be. Yeah, they really do. And, and as a result, uh, where I was going with this is that I think down the road, we could see corn acres down one to two, two to three million acres. And we think those do spill on over into soybeans. Some of that's because of the prevent plant that's happening up in North Dakota. Some of that's because of the profitability decisions that individuals ended up making. So how is the technical perspective? Because we've got to look at that when it comes to corn and beans. You know, we really do. And the technical perspective is really important right now because we've got the, the funds, uh, the speculative traders, the trend-following funds, and, you know, they're short big on this corn market, and they're kind of betting this thing's going to go down all the way into into this fall unless we get a weather scare. And, and they're slightly supportive on the bean side or long on the bean side. But I think actually from a, if I, if I didn't know anything about the fundamentals, Susan, and I was just purely a technical trader, I'd say that the setup in the technical side is very good. The stochastic is giving us buy signals. That's that momentum indicator. The moving averages are giving us buy signals. And the best way to see that is in the MACD, the moving average convergence divergence. And as a result of that, you'd say we should buy it, but you have to be cautious because if we get good weather conditions, what will happen is that we'll see additional pressure be put on this market to take us lower. So the listeners out there are going, all is great, Jeff, but how 
am I going to make money? What's it going to take to get these markets to go to the more positive? Yeah, and and really, what we're really banking on, honestly, here, Susan, is that we have to have a weather forecast not only comes in, but actually that happens that reduces our yield, and it has to reduce it in a you know pretty big way, maybe five six percent, in order to to think long term, we're going to have a shot to bounce these markets up out of here. So obviously, more than one or two states. Exactly, we're going to have to have it, it, it widespread across a bigger area is what we're definitely going to end up having to do, and to get this market to get some legs underneath it and just walk us up out of here. Otherwise, we'll see it drift lower into harvest. All right, lots to think about. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And just remember, trading futures involves the risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Belt being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local Fontenelle dealers. Pick it up as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe, and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Belt on the Rural Radio Network.